the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, one of the things I like to do on the Paracast when I meet a guest is to make sure I pronounce their name correctly. Because, you know, what's the worst thing? You know, like people used to call me Schnitzelberger. Now, don't laugh. Schnitzelberger. Achtung. But, and my tongue work doesn't work. Uh, anyway, we, I just realized, yeah, I didn't realize this before, that our guest, Jeff Belanger, and my French is bad, appeared on the Paracast back on June 10th, 2007. That was two co-hosts ago. Imagine that. And it's like 12 years, Jeff. How have you been for the past 12 years? Well, where to begin? I guess uh, June 2007 to now, we have to get caught up. <laughs> I've okay. been good. I've been uh, still doing my thing and loving life. I, I, I had a child since I spoke to you last. She's 12 and a half now. <laughs> so, yeah, things have been, been really good. Is she sort of like uh, one of those little goth chicks like from Beetlejuice? Or, or did the <laughs> kids still do that? I don't know. No, it's funny. I'm very careful not to try to push her in any direction. Uh, God knows I wouldn't wish being a paranormal person or a folklorist or a writer on, on anyone, especially my, my daughter. But she does get to tag along sometimes, and she's been on a few adventures. And I think she thinks it's kind of cool, but it's more dad's thing. So she leaves the, <laughs> the weird goth stuff to me. She doesn't have the feeling then that dad maybe is a little bit cuckoo. No, she's figured that out. Um, she, you know, it's funny to watch them get older because when they're really young, whatever you do is normal. Like that's their normal. And once they get a little older and start to experience friends, parents and dads and so on, I think then she started to grasp. Yeah, my dad's different. <laughs> but, you know, we have fun. Well, that's really cool. I mean, there are parents out there that do this. Like uh, we had Paul and Ben Eno on not too long ago. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you know that's father son team, and they're very much in tune with each other on this. So they have a, a really they have a blast with it. Yeah, I live twenty minutes from them. I know them oh, very well. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yep. We're totally separated. Randall is in Calgary, Canada, and I'm in Mesa, Arizona. Oh, very good. Well, if you like Arizona, yes, it's excellent. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a few questions here to get things started because after twelve years. We've got to kind of reintroduce you. But sure. first and foremost here, I think we're going to talk about our guest last week, who was very interesting, John Olson. And John Olson grew up in a haunted house. Get that. Yes, he was a really interesting guest, actually. He came across as totally sincere, like not somebody who was trying to make things up and sensationalize it like they did with the Amityville Horror, for example. He he thought it would be a good, really cool if you know, people would approach him to, to make some kind of a documentary about it. But, you know, he really wasn't trying to go that route with it, you know, the whole poltergeist Amityville horror hands pushing out from the walls and slime coming down and, you know, swarms of flies and, you know, none of that stuff. But he did have some pretty interesting stories. We should hook you two up, I think. Share notes. Now, he lives out in the wilderness somewhere. 
So, <laughs> well, you know, I, I can travel. I'm uh, I'm pretty good about that. It, it's a funny thing when you talk to people that grow up in haunted homes, and I've I've spoken with Christopher Lutz, who grew up in the Amityville house, and I know the Perrin family, who grew up in the Conjuring house, and I've spoken to a multitude of people that have grown up in houses that were never made into movies or books or anything, and it's fascinating what the real experience is like, and I get how a real haunted home wouldn't make for a very good movie because the reality is that months can go by and nothing happens. And then suddenly something will happen again. And if you think about it, that's actually a lot more frightening because your guards down, you relaxed, maybe it's over, maybe it's gone away, maybe it's moved on. And then you'll hear footsteps or strange creaks or something that just unnerves you and lets you know that you're not alone in this house. And that is the kind of thing that can chip away at your sanity. And the only analogy I can come up with is if uh, you know anyone that's had their home or apartment broken into and been robbed, it's a very violating feeling that uh, someone else has been in there that doesn't belong in there. To experience that ongoing must really be difficult. Let me just drop something in apropos of nothing. I once had a home invasion where a camera and some other stuff was taken. This is in Charleston, South Carolina. We were renting a cottage. And to show you, of course, how our world works, I called the police. The police said, well, you know, if there's no evidence, it's just a home invasion. You know, call your insurance company. Call the insurance company. I had to fight with them for two months just to get a few hundred dollars back yeah. from them. That's the real issue there. And I don't think it was ghosts. I just think it was a couple of teenagers <laughs> who got overeager. Yeah. Ghosts don't take cameras. I think uh, they, they look for other stuff. Well, now they, they get the whole smartphone. You see a yeah, camera, right. that camera maybe cost $150 <laughs> in 1970s dollars. But today, a smartphone, a premium version is going to be 700 to $1,400. Yeah. That's what I would steal if I was a ghost. That or your Ouija board. I'd go looking for that. Leave the original message. Parker Brothers Ouija board? Uh, well, if you if you really want to be original, I guess I'd go Canard Novelty Company if you really want to go all the way. Well, if you can get one of those, those were expensive. I had the Parker Brothers version, but that's long ago and far away. Yeah, it was. They used to manufacture them in Salem, Massachusetts. And then Hasbro bought the company, and Hasbro now manufactures them in East Longmeadow, Massachusetts. So they are still made in Massachusetts, but um, they've changed over the years. And it's, a, it's quite a story. You know, it's, uh, it's a funny thing. Did, did you ever play with one as a kid? I did. And yeah. I'll give you the experience here. Go ahead. So my friend Kenny and I got the Ouija board. We went to his home. And his mom, I think her name was Edith, really, really smart, up-to-date woman. And so she played with us. We had no results. She had results. I never figured out whether she was just fooling us or those results were legitimate. But they were very simple answers. And I always assumed with Ouija boards, if you didn't consciously move the planchette, you did it subconsciously. Yeah, that's the thing, right? There's only a few possibilities. Either I'm pushing it, you're pushing it, we're somehow collectively pushing it, or, you know, something a little more supernatural is pushing it. And I know for me as a kid, that was sort of my doorway into the paranormal. I grew up in an old New England town and my friends uh, had haunted houses. So we would have sleepovers and break this thing out and, and try to communicate. And I was fascinated because it wasn't like a Hollywood movie. 
there wasn't blood dripping out of the walls, nothing like that. It was just, hey, someone else lives here with us, and sometimes we see him or hear him. And this was back long before ghosts were out of the closet like they are now. And I remember my friend's parents saying, hey, don't tell your parents that our house is haunted. They'll think we're crazy. Have us locked up. And it started pretty much a lifelong fascination that, wow, maybe these walls can talk. And I love that. And I think for a lot of people that, that Ouija board is that introduction because, I mean, this is, it says ages eight and up and it's manufactured by then Parker Brothers, now Hasbro. And you're like, well, it's, I bought it right next to Monopoly and Othello. So <laughs> how dangerous can it be? And yet it really opened a world of intrigue. So I'm grateful. Thank you, Parker Brothers. Well, let's go back to history here because it's interesting. I know we had somebody who is no longer with us. Rosemary Guiley. Yeah. On the show several times. And one of those episodes, we did talk about Ouija boards. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, she looks at it as someone who is a generic paranormal researcher. She covers all the bases. We talked about the gin. We talked about Ouija boards and that. And she gave us some stories that, shall we say, were a little bit frightening. You never know. Yeah. I know with my first wife, Geneva, we did some stuff with the Ouija board. But again, it was that hit or miss thing. And we never were quite sure whether it was somebody's subconscious pushing that thing or we were in touch with something. I don't know. Jeff Belanger, a ghost hunter, another ghost hunter kind of person, joining us this week with Gene Steinberg and the one and only J. Randall Murphy. This means you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Hey, everyone. Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer. Offer by calling now 1-800-583-8662 or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio you heard right proactive md plus free shipping and a free gift the new charcoal pore cleansing brush you'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back call now 1-800-583-8662 that's 1-800-583-8662 or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio again go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio 
This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Jeff Belanger, since we're on Ouija boards, let's just get that topic away. Sure. With Ouija boards, what's the history? Well, the Ouija board is a, it, it's a, a trademark name that started in 1891 in a Baltimore, Maryland, with a company called the Canard Novelty Company. The generic term is a talking board. These are really a byproduct of the spiritualist movement. So what was happening was in 1848, spiritualism started in Hydesville, New York, and suddenly psychic mediums are going on tour and they're, they're communing with the dead. And I would submit to you that the spiritualist movement would have died out if not for the U.S. Civil War. But the Civil War had so many people dying untimely deaths and people wanted answers. And they weren't necessarily getting those answers from their churches and their synagogues and their religious leaders. But psychic mediums offered those answers. Come to me. I will, I will communicate with your fallen brother, husband, son, or whoever. And there were a lot of charlatans back then, just as there are now. And so eventually people started to use this, this talking board idea, whether it was an upside down wine glass on letters and then later a, a board with a, a planchette. All these various devices came together, but it was the Canard Novelty Company that took it to a whole other level by making it a brand name and putting it into just eventually millions of homes. And over time, the sales would be cyclical, but in times of turmoil, they always spike, whether that was World War I, World War II, Vietnam, 9-11. 
there's a long history of people seeking these things out when they're looking for answers. And really, the, the marketing was brilliant. They never really overly defined it. They never said, this is used to communicate with the dead. They said, it's a parlor game. Do whatever you want with it. Just buy it. That's all we care about. I tend to believe that you get out of it whatever you put into it. For some people, it is a psychic experience. You know, there's nothing magical about cardboard and plastic or wood and, and glass or whatever. The, the magic is in you, whatever that may be. So if you are using it to help tune this psychic ability that maybe all of us have, then so be it. But some people are deadly afraid of these things, which to me is, is kind of silly because, well, if you're afraid of that, but not afraid of other methods that people use to hunt ghosts, whether it's an audio recorder or dousing rods or uh, any number of other trigger objects or, or EMF meters and so on, where you say, hey, communicate with me. I guess I look at this as both a historian and like an armchair sociologist. It's just fascinating to me that we, number one, think there's something out there and number two, want to try to reach it. And that goes back a lot longer than 1848. It goes back since you know we could talk and communicate with each other. So is this a matter of reflecting what powers you may have? It's not reaching something external? I, I, to, I believe that we all have uh, some degree of intuition. And, and an example of that would be if you've ever met somebody and all they say is hello and your skin just crawls. Or the opposite of that, you meet someone and all they say is hello and you're just like, hey, who's this person? Whether it's romantic interest or friendly interest or whatever, you just, you're drawn to them. There's something inside of you, something that's intangible that is connecting with something intangible from them and you're, you're, you're using your intuition. If you wanna put that a step further and call that psychic, I, I could live with that. I could live with the, the term. And so I think we all have these abilities to sort of reach out and feel things beyond what we can see. When you're in a room alone and someone walks in, even though you didn't see or hear them, you just sense their presence. You turn around and you go, oh, gee, Randall, I didn't see you just walked in behind me, which would be awkward because he's in Calgary and I'm on the East Coast. There are stargates. They're right. And by location, we, wow, we just went down the rabbit hole fast, didn't we? Yeah, doppelgangers. and <laughs> Doppelgangers, right? Yeah, we're... We're all the way there. Uh, so, you know, you sense that. So I, if, if you break, if you take the Ouija board off the shelf, take it out of the box, put it down, and now you take a deep breath and you're trying to communicate with something that might be around us all the time, could be around us in the grocery store and at the gas station, but we're not in that headspace uh, at the grocery store or gas station, but we are in the headspace when this, you know, eerie thing, the Ouija board comes out and it helps us to kind of focus our thoughts and actions and intent. And then if we get a little afraid of it, we put it back in the box, put it on the shelf and close it. It's kind of like a ceremonial closing of that thing that's inside of us. I, I would say pretty no different than people who go to church or synagogue or mosque. You, you can pray anytime you want. You can connect with your creator anytime you want, but some people feel better doing it in a specific building at a specific time. So I think it's, it's something similar to that sort of mechanism that's, that's at work with those things. Having then control of your religious experience? Yeah, sure. Or, or psychic experience in this case, which I would, I would move down a notch from religious experience if we were ranking things. I think that this does give you some sense of control over something that I don't think is controllable per se. We have these impulses and we have these feelings and experiences. If I could control them, I'd be rich, right? I mean, if I could make ghosts manifest or if I could tell you this is where they'll be and when, I mean, that would be amazing. I would charge you an arm and a leg to come see that. But sadly, I can't. So I'm stuck just trying to guess like the rest of us. 
Well, Gene, I think you're really on to actually both of you in terms of control. I mean, obviously, the church is going to want to maintain its control over the supernatural realm and whatever we perceive that to be. So, you know, if the congregation suddenly starts thinking, well, we can do this ourselves, we'll just go home and get out the Ouija board and uh, open up our own little portal into the supernatural. Well, that kind of takes away from their control. So naturally, they would want to say that it's a bad thing and, and belongs to the devil or whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And, and I think that Ouija boards hurt psychic mediums a lot more than they hurt uh, the church. But you're right, the church wants to sanction, yes, there is spirit communication, but you have to do it our way. You have to do it in the realm of prayer. Uh, I was raised Catholic, so you can pray to saints, or you can pray to God or Jesus or whoever, and they can intervene on your behalf, but don't use a Ouija board to do it because that's, that's weird, which is really funny, right? Because like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's all, it's all kind of weird. <laughs> Transubstantiation is not weird, right? So, right, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have some wine. Um, it's really blood of a guy. It's that really died the blood. Yeah, yeah. Like it, really, it actually turns into blood on the way down. Yeah. Well, well, Ouija, I think, just means good luck or something in some ancient Egyptian language. No, no doesn't it? Not. Or was, no. was it, okay? What is it about then? So there's Ouijasticians, as my friend Bob Merch would say, who's like pretty much the world's foremost Ouija historian, and, and I'm just going to parrot uh, what he's taught me over the years. Um, so the, the, some people believed it was the word we, yes in French, and ya, yes in German, but that's not exactly where it came from, or a fabled Egyptian city or whatever. Another story is that when um, Kennard was first using the Ouija board, he said, name yourself, and it spelled that out. But it was actually a friend of the Kennard Novelty Company that just kind of threw the name out there, and it stuck. And the brilliance of it, again, was that they never overly defined it. When you overly define a thing, it's not as scary. Uh, think of like the great horror movies. Think of the movie Jaws. You didn't get to see the shark for a long time. That made it scarier. Because once you see it, once you name it, once you know it, then you take a lot of the fear away. And I think that's a big part of the paranormal. When we're dealing with a, a haunting in a home, the, the holy grail is to put a name on that knock on the wall. You could be totally wrong. You could say, oh, it's Mrs. Smith who lived here back in the 1950s. She died in the house and that's who's haunting it. It gives you this false sense of control that, well, I know who it is. She's just a sweet old lady who died here, used to make apple pies. Everything's fine. Baby. I want to ask you the question, kind of letting the other shoe drop. Visiting us for the second time on the Paracast, 12 years apart. Yeah. I had forgotten. I'm sorry, Jeff Belanger. But thank you for reminding me because I think it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun exploring the ghost village. More to oh, come. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com.
Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump is seeming to take a different stance on vaping. He tweeted about getting counterfeits off the market after announcing earlier this week an effort to ban nearly all flavored vaping products. Gregory Connolly, the president of the American Vaping Association, made his case against the flavored vaping ban. The fact is that there have been mistakes by people trying to market to adult millennials, but that does not justify removing every single product from the market besides tobacco flavors, especially when we know from the Yale School of Public Health, the National Bureau of Economic Research, other institutions have said banning flavors will increase smoking, and that's the last thing we want to do. Pacific Gas and Electric and a group of insurers have reached an $11 billion settlement to cover most of the claims from the 2017 and 2018 wildfires in California. This is USA Radio News. Does your business spend $500 a month or more on gas and electric bills? Did you know by making a simple free phone call, you can save up to 25% on your bill every month? What could you do with a 25% savings on utility bills every month? Energy deregulation is now available in your state. Making one simple phone call will show you how we can lower your gas and electric bills instantly. With no changes to your bill and no enrollment fee. This is a free service. The only thing you'll notice is a lower bill every month. Call U.S. Power & Light right now. Learn how easy it is to lower your utility bills for your business and save money. We promise. So if you spend over $500 a month on your gas and electric bills, please call right now and unleash your savings. 800-941-3381. That's 800-941-3381. Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual. And this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of Paranormal Radio. Well, one thing here, too, if you're asking for something, Jeff Belanger, is it possible it reflects on you in a way you'd rather not 
expect. And also, with regard to the phenomenon of a haunted house, you think it's Aunt Mary or Uncle John or something like that. And they came back because you're having all this stuff going on. Does the phenomenon try to present itself in a way that makes you think that's who it is? Well, it could be, but I think also we try to make order out of chaos. It's what humans do in all cases of everything. You know, we, we try to control a universe that is fundamentally out of control and getting more so every minute. It's a law of physics, right? Entropy. It's it's going from an ordered state to a disordered state. When something happens that does not compute, when I'm in my nice quiet home and I know everything's as it should be, and suddenly there's footsteps, the distinct footsteps of someone walking in the front door and then going up the stairs which I've heard a thousand times with living people. However, I'm alone. That's frightening. And I have to make sense of it. And I have to fit it into some kind of box within my own human experience or I'll go crazy. And so if I reach out and say, ah, must be Uncle Larry, I could be totally wrong. I mean, Uncle Larry walked up those stairs once and that's the only thing those two things have in common. But it makes me feel better. And I think we do that all the time. Another thing I've noticed, especially at historic sites, is um, there's something that I call most famous phenomenon. If you go to any bed and breakfast in Virginia, there's a, a plaque somewhere that says, uh, George Washington slept here. You know, you've seen those at all kinds of places. Some of those places are quite old, and some of them might indeed be haunted. And there's knocks on the wall or there's cold spots. And they'll tell you, well, that's the ghost of George Washington. <laughs> Because he's the most famous person that's ever been there. And he slept there one night back in 1780. And he's going to haunt here for all eternity, which is funny to me, right? I mean, I would think old George would be in a number of places. But when they have a ghost, they, they put his name on it because whatever, it, it draws attention. It also makes you feel better because George Washington never told a lie. He has no way his ghost would hurt me, right? He must be a safe ghost. It couldn't possibly be that drunk gardener that fell off the roof in 1963 and broke his neck. You know, we have to <laughs> give ourselves some sort of control over the thing. And uh, maybe that drunk gardener is pretending to be George Washington. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just uh, the wooden teeth and everything. So, yeah. So I think that's that's a big part of it is it's, we're trying to control our chaotic world. And, and it's frightening. And we don't want to live in a place or be in a place where we're scared. That's no good. So if we can name it, we feel better about it. And I see that time and again. And I don't really know. I don't claim to have any psychic powers at all. I, I don't see things unless we all see them. I don't hear things, you know, unless other people hear it too. I can't just take the word of... Uh, of something saying like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's this or that. Uh, I think the world and universe is a lot stranger than we can possibly imagine. However, I do think that what all of this ghostly phenomena specifically does is it offers us a direct connection to our past. It forces us to connect with what's come before us. And this is where we get a lot more philosophical because all of us, each one of us, is the product of every moment of our lives up to right this second. You know, from the, the, the person that made you coffee this morning, to our parents, to our friends, to the movies we watch, the art we expose ourselves to, the books we read, and so on. All of those influences helped shape exactly who we are. And all of those influences have to fit in the context of a location, because that's part of it. Where you grew up has its own influence, has its own backstory, and the people that helped make that place what it is. When I am in a historic building and I hear about a ghost sighting, it forces me to go back and ask who was there, why were they here, what happened here. And when I learn about the past, I learn about myself. 
And when I do that, if I learn a little bit about history, and I'm a, I'm a big lover of that, then maybe, just maybe, I can avoid some of the mistakes of the past in my own life. I think that's the moral of the story. That's why places are haunted. That's why people are haunted, uh, because there's something that we have to learn. It's all about the living. It's not about the dead. It's about the living. Well, it sounds almost like UFOs, flying saucers are here to make us think. Sure, absolutely. If we were certain that we're not alone in the universe, the the argument against that makes no sense to me at all. I mean, the universe is so vast. Why would it be all here just for us? But if we knew we were visited, then they clearly have a technology far beyond us. And what does that do to your psyche? We lose that egocentrism immediately. Most of us would, I think, not everyone. Some would just live in denial, but you lose that egocentrism, (laughs) right? That it's just about us on this little planet and there's nothing else to worry about. Just where am I going to get my next fast food meal or whatever? I mean, like when you hear people, and I've run into this time and time again, like you and I and Gene and our listeners, we find this endlessly fascinating because it's people are having these real experiences. But once in a while, you'll run into somebody that just goes, you know, I don't know why you even talk about this stuff. This just doesn't interest me at all. And it would be fine if aliens existed, you know, if they came down and landed right in the middle of the green on the golf course, all they would be doing is going, well, that's fine. Just get off the green, you know, (laughs) (laughs) let me play through air. (laughs) And for us, that's kind of almost unfathomable to think how someone could be just so insular that they really don't care. Yeah, and that's okay because we're all trying to get through uh, our life as best we can. You know what doesn't interest me at all? Stamp collecting. But I take no offense at all to people that are passionate about it. Wonderful. Go have at it. It just does not interest me. And that's okay. I remember being at this paranormal conference at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, which is a beautiful hotel, haunted. It's where Stephen King was inspired to write The Shining, all that stuff. It was a ghost conference. At one point, someone walked in wearing a Bigfoot costume. And it was the good one. You know, the one that like you look through the neck. I mean, it was it's a not a cheapy costume. It was a good one. And they were walking through the conference. And I saw these various ghost hunters sitting on the couch. They were looking at their gear and their phones and stuff. They glance up at Bigfoot, which is 15 feet away in the lobby of the Stanley Hotel, shrug and go right back to their phone. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And I was like, oh, man, the mothership could land right outside. And you're like, (laughs) are there ghosts out there? No, just little green men everywhere with lasers. Well, let me know if you see any ghosts, right? Yeah, exactly. We get so compartmentalized in everything, every part of our lives, whether it's uh, stamp collecting and paranormal or just within the silos of the paranormal, you know, like I'm only here for ghosts. Bigfoot could sit on my lap. I don't care. Just get him off. Yeah, and people get so wrapped up in their own belief systems and worldviews, too, that it's like, well, ghosts must be the departed. In some way, they believe that there's a it's possible for a person to continue personhood after the death of the body and that they go on and live. And that's what's really going on. If you try to offer anything other than that, they just look the other way and lose interest and, and go on. With that assumption, which we certainly have no proof of and really makes no logical sense whatsoever. Well, let me offer you some proof right now. Here's the thing. And what I've done in my career, I've, I've changed a lot since 2007. I'll have to go back and hear that old show because, God, I don't even remember what we talked about. But I know my own thinking has evolved quite a bit. I do believe that we, we can prove it. And, and here's an easy example. If I say, what light through yonder window breaks, what do you think of? 
Uh, look, I'm not into fiction or nonfiction or literature. It sounds like Rowan Poe is Shakespeare or something. Shakespeare. I don't know. You're right. It's Shakespeare. It's, it's, of course, Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare. That story has been done so many times, countless times. Romeo and Juliet is a cartoon, right? It's been done uh, by Leonardo DiCaprio. It's being done right now somewhere on earth by some high school, right? William Shakespeare is still with us, period. The end. That's it. He's not forgotten. His work lives on. Uh, the essence, the thing he created out of nothing is still with us in our everyday lives centuries later. He is still very much with us. There's a, uh, a Mexican parable about how we all die three deaths. And, and this, I believe, to my core of cores. First death happens when your body expires. The second death occurs when your corpse is laid into the ground. But the third and final death comes somewhere down the line, and that is when your name is uttered for the last time. Shakespeare is not dead. His name is still being uttered. My grandfather's name is still being uttered. But at some point, let's be honest, we do forget. We do move on. We are and going I, to forget these announcements if we don't get them all right, done. Do it. Right. Jeff Belanger, Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hey, Bugsy, you hear the news about Vinny? Yeah, it's a real shame. He owed money to the IRS and they finally cut up with him. Just like Al Capone. If the IRS can get to Capone, imagine what they can do to little old Vinny, huh? Poor cat, he was on top of the world. That bada-boom, bada-bing. What Vinny needs now is an offer he can't refuse. 
Hey, you got a tax problem? Does the IRS claim you owe them a bunch of dough? They can get you too. So call the tax relief line now and learn if you qualify to negotiate your $10,000 plus IRS tax debt for up to a 75% savings. Don't be like Al or Vinny and get busted. Make this free call now. Learn how you may be able to pay the IRS less. Call now. 800-590-4930. That's 800-590-4930. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-976-1460. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-976-1460. That's 1-800-976-1460. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Jeff Belanger, I had the misfortune of interrupting you for some pieces of business. Can we continue where we left off? No problem at all. I just, my, my point is that in studying hauntings all over the world and in all kinds of cultures, at some point, we like, I don't hear about ghosts of, of Roman soldiers. I don't hear about ghosts of, of cavemen and so on because we're too far removed. It's too far back. We can't connect to that that history that long ago. We can connect still to the Civil War. We can connect to even the American Revolution is starting to push it as far as time period. We're having a harder time connecting to that time period. So uh, at some point, we do forget. We stop uttering the names. We stop connecting. And those ghosts do finally move on, whatever those ghosts are. And so I think in some way, we are conjuring up uh, the past. We conjure up grandma when we think about her. I mean, I've got such fond memories of my grandparents and my grandmothers and um, and I can close my eyes and I can see them and I can smell their cooking and I can feel warmth at, at memories I have of them. And that's very real to me. You know, I, well, I of course, but that's yeah. a completely different thing than is it than their consciousness continuing after the death of their body. We're is talking it? about a completely different thing there. Yeah, we have. I'm not sure we are. Yeah, I am. (laughs) All right, go. Let's hear your side. Well, you have your mind that belongs to you. And when you're experiencing those things, there's no question that you're alive. And we have all the evidence we need for that. But what you remember comes from your mind. What someone else remembers comes from theirs, their own separate consciousness. Consciousness hasn't even been figured out by anybody yet. We don't know what that is, really. So your consciousness is not the same as your grandmother's consciousness. So when most people think of a ghost, they're thinking, well, it's a continuity of personhood. 
you know, it's not you, you as a person remembering grammar. Oh, it's okay. grammar as a person existing independently of you. Okay. Right? So you're, whether you're, you exist or not. Yeah. So Randall, you're running with one singular definition of what a ghost is. And, and I've yet to find a, a catch-all definition. So there's one theory you might have heard called the stone tape theory or the idea that a ghost is like a movie that plays over and over again. Even though right. the person's not there, their consciousness isn't there. It's just they were there at one time and for some reason it still replays like a movie. I would argue that pieces of my grandparents are still within me. So if not their whole consciousness, of course, I don't have their memories or life experience, but, but pieces of it are, have been instilled in me and, and are carried on through me and passed on through me directly to my child and maybe one day a grandchild and to friends and family and so on. So are, are we the product of our memories and experiences or, or do we even know what we are? You know, and in which case, if, if that piece of them can come forward, and it's not there all the time. Obviously, I go through much of my day. My grandparents died quite quite a few years ago now. So when I go through through most of my day, I don't really think about them. I don't conjure them. I just leave them where they are. But sometimes I need them. And, and I do go and, and bring them up, even though no one else can experience it. So I would argue that whatever piece of the past that we bring to the present, ghost is not certainly the traditional definition of that, but it is the past coming to the present. So the, the definition I've come up with, I wrote a whole book about trying to define a ghost and I failed miserably, by the way. I'm not even going to tell you the title in case someone out there, <laughs> someone out there might have bought it and been oh, like, I well, want a refund. We'll, we'll go through the books. And, but and, <laughs> well, wait, so, wrong here. I, I think yeah. that what you're saying is really interesting from a sort of a psychological, cultural perspective. I think it's also really valuable and that we can take away something really valuable from what you're saying. I'm just looking at it from that one specific yeah. point of view where people really believe that they're communicating with somebody other than them. No, I get it. And so the, the, the last piece of this is, I'll say this, I, I think the simplest definition to sum up that whole book, that if you bought it, I can give it to you in like one sentence. Uh, I think a, a ghost is the past coming to the present. That's, that's it. I'm going to let that sink in. Go ahead. And we're good. Is it oh, time no, for that's a break really, yet or what? No, no I, I actually love it in a way, because just like, like I was saying, looking at it from a cultural perspective and a historical perspective. And from that particular framework, I think is absolutely wonderful. I think we should all do more of that. You know, I, I was just looking and I'm just looking at the one way that it seems to me that people typically look at it as a continuity of personhoods when someone else dies and they want to get in touch with that person they're not getting in touch with themselves they're getting in touch with someone else right so we have two separate personalities one communicating from some supposed afterlife to right. us in this particular realm and and that seems to be the sort of the the typical way that people look at it i i absolutely love the way that you look at it because to me that makes sense and that is like you say that well essentially that's provable there's nothing not provable about it where we have information that is carried on and we can look at it in a historical context and there's plenty of evidence to say that this and that actually happened yeah that's really fascinating so but, if i were to say wait if i were to say okay. I, I wonder what my grandmother would think of all this and knowing oh. her personality <laughs> <laughs> would i then channel her and say she would say listen to my grandson he's so wicked smart he's so smart <laughs> I don't know. I have no well, idea. You know, it's channeling. Well, if there is some residue of us yeah. that carries on in some way, shape, or form in some other realm, 
well, I used to believe it was impossible. Now I think, well, maybe not, maybe. And you got into this on one of your uh, 30-odd minutes show, which we got to touch on later, but the, the idea of multiverses, where, well, maybe if this is some kind of a simulation, you know, they could back up our existence into some kind of a drive and maybe reconstitute it again in some other universe where there is some way that people communicate back and forth. But if that's the case, then what we're dealing with is copies of ourselves, not our continuous self. So it, it still kind of breaks, but at least it maybe offers a possibility that there is some way to communicate with something else that yeah, is separate from us in some other universe so i mean that's at least possible <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it gets deep and at some point we're going to need marijuana and some cheetos if we're going to like continue this discussion i think well uh <laughs> we could just uh yeah have that person that made us our coffee this morning deliver that's that. right <laughs> it's we're kind of approaching like. the edge here guys all okay. right well you're right darn right we are <laughs> we're about to go the over edge of what oblivion i think we went over the edge a long time ago and we're just trying to make up for it the thing i always wonder here since we're getting into this communication aspect or the possible belief that we're in touch with the dead relative and you think here there's a trickster out there that maybe is playing games with us that if we accept its reality we can really mess ourselves up because when someone sees evidence of a ghost oh it's uncle john can't be anybody else because he used to live here and he was a pretty crazy kind of guy yeah so you're you're suggesting like maybe we're being tricked by something that's got bad intent for us we have to consider all possibilities we just don't know yeah, well, I, I don't think, uh, I, I mean, like I said, I'm speaking from like observing the living people. Um, you know, they try to make sense of it. They try to, to fit it into some kind of category. But then, of course, sometimes the behavior of whatever's happening doesn't compute, doesn't fit with Uncle John or anyone else. Um, there are people that have been pushed or scratched or, or uh, in some ways attacked. And that's not the character of Uncle John. He was a sweet guy. So then suddenly they have to start dealing with a, a different sort of reality and start reframing what they thought they knew. And that uh, that gets into like a whole other realm. I think pretty rare, uh, as far as my research goes. Just the people I've communicated with, it's it's pretty rare that there's actual like physical contact and attack. But yeah, it does happen. Yeah, things do get moved physically sometimes. Um, when you know we can be as skeptical as we want to be and try to figure out what's going on and say, well, this is possible or this is impossible. But regardless of whichever one of those we go with we have to admit that something's going on people are having these real experiences yeah and and uh, that's what's endlessly fascinating for me what sort of keeps you going when you're thinking about all of this too yeah so i i started in all this as a newspaper reporter that was my entree officially into the paranormal was uh, in the mid 90s working for a paper and writing feature stories about haunted places and just loving that and and thinking this is great i get to interview people i'm in historic sites as these 
cool stories. And, uh, and that led me to start my website, Ghost Village, back in 1999, 20 years ago. Good God. And, um, and so that's kind of like been the, the, my jumping off point. But at some point, I figured if you're going to go down the rabbit hole, there's no point in going halfway, right? You just, you might as well keep going. And so uh, over time, I've included a lot more uh, folklore, legend, and other studies. I've gotten into cryptozoology and into ufology. And, and when I say that, I mean from a strictly story perspective. Let's do our break here. Okay. And then we'll continue down the rabbit hole. Jeff, Gene, Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're exploring the wonderful world of Alice in Wonderland. No, we're not. Or maybe we are. (laughs) Jeff Belanger, let's continue. You said UFOs. How do you bring UFOs into the picture? Just the stories of sightings or what? A legend, to me, is a living, breathing thing. 
right? It's a thing that we all contribute to. It, it takes shape. It can grow up. It can marry. It can move and, and uh, relocate, and it can die. And the only way a legend dies is if we stop talking about it. So if I say Santa Claus, I don't really have to say much else. You have a picture in your head. You know the backstory. You know the red suit. You know where he lives. You know the elves. You know all kinds of things, thanks to such a, a huge cultural influence. If I say Bigfoot, you have a picture in your head right now. There, there are so many things. I mean, there are living legends. There are, are sports legends, people that are, are playing their game at the highest level. And the story of them is bigger than the actual person. So when I started looking at legends and folklore, I wanted to include UFO stories. And I wanted to include Bigfoot sightings, cryptid sightings, monsters, lake monsters, uh, all kinds of other things. Because at some point, one person's ghost is another person's gray alien, is another person's hypnagogic hallucination, is another person's who knows what. And so for me, it wasn't, I didn't feel qualified to try to put these things in specific boxes and say, well, that's clearly a gray from the Andromeda galaxy, and this is a, a Bigfoot from the Pacific Northwest. It's all kind of strange. And I think the, the further out I looked and just looked at the story, then it got a lot more interesting for me. It's not up to me which place is haunted or which town like Roswell gets a reputation for, for being a UFO hotspot or, or whatever. It's a collective thing. And, and collectively, a whole community has decided that you know, we're going to keep this story going, usually because something continues to happen, because someone sees things or experiences things um, that, that kind of like gives that story a shot in the arm and people keep talking about it. A few months ago, I got into um, uh, uh, researching a really interesting guy named Sir Francis Galton uh, over in England. And he came up with this theory called the wisdom of the crowd. And it's really awesome. I love when, when sometimes math can prove something to be true. In 1906, in the West of England Fat Stock and Poultry Exhibition, which I'm sure was a rockin' good time, uh, they have this annual event where you guess the weight of the prize ox. You've probably seen this in county fairs wherever, right? I mean, uh, you know, this, this still happens to this day. Guess the weight of the cow, whatever. And so Francis Galton was observing people writing on slips of paper what they thought uh, the weight of the ox was. And he said to the organizers, hey, when this is over, can I please have all those slips of paper? And they said, yeah, sure, we're done with them. So he takes them back and there's 800 entries. Of the 813, he says are illegible. I can't read them, so he discards them. So that leaves us with 787 entries to review. No one got the exact weight correct. But when he took the average of all of the guesses of the weight of the ox, it came out to 1,197 pounds, and the actual weight of the ox was 1,198 pounds. And he said, this, he put this whole theory together, that collectively this crowd made the right choice. Some people were way off. Some little kids probably said 200 pounds. Someone else probably said 5,000 pounds. No one got it exactly right, but collectively they were within one pound, well under 1% of the actual weight. And so he was using this to say like, look at when, when we're talking about big group decisions, usually like voting, collectively we're going to arrive at pretty close to the right choice. And that was his point. And I, I use this to, as an analogy to legends and lore, if a collectively a community has said this house is haunted or this is where Bigfoot lurks, there's some group decision here. There's group group input where different people have heard and seen things that they deemed credible enough that they told others and they passed the word along or they went out and looked for themselves. And so 
my point is that we can trust the folklore to a certain extent that this is indeed a hotspot where something, something happened. That something, I, I can't always determine, but something left a mark here and we're still experiencing it. They did it. Actually, they made a show, TV show called Wisdom of the Crowd based on that whole thing where they yeah. they try to solve uh, cases based on crowdsourcing. I, I think it's really quite fascinating. Uh, guess the number of gumballs in the in the big yeah. jar, right? Same thing. It's yeah, the same exact yeah. thing. I, I get That's enough really people. Yeah, get enough people and you'll get close to the truth. That is fascinating because you've always thought of crowds as not that bright. You know, like like individuals are smart, but when we get into a, a, a herd, boy, we can go nuts. You know, uh, go to any sporting event, right? <laughs> Where fights break out and things. But but uh, when we can think calmly and and logically and and collectively, we can get to the truth. But then again, I mean, in in those kinds of examples, what we're dealing with is we have something fairly objective, like say the weight of a cow. Yeah. But uh, you know, if we were to say, okay, well, thunder. Is it Thor, you know, or or is it uh, one of other six or seven or eight other gods or whatever it happens to, you know, what do you think? Then, you know, the crowd, no matter what, the right answer just isn't in the, in the list. So it doesn't matter what they say. It's not going to be correct. Well, wait, no, hold on now. So to say it's Thor is the thunder that you hear above your head. Um, allow me to take the defense of Thor. Some force is acting above your head that's bigger than you that has caused thunder. You named it Thor. We later learned that it's you know high pressure and low pressure and hot and cold colliding and so on. But maybe we're coming down to semantics and labels. But you did you do know that something just happened that doesn't usually happen unless it's cloudy and stormy and so on. So uh, I, good point. I see where you're going you, with you. This. Know what you're I mean? Saying, just because it wasn't Thor doesn't mean something never happened. Something did happen. I promise something you, something did happen. Yeah, yeah. That, and you know that's a really really valid point. This is what gets me too with the skeptics, where they'll say. Uh, People's memory is like way off and they'll get 20 people to all try to describe an accident. And because they all get everything different, they try to claim that the memory is so bad that nothing ever, you know, nothing significant happened. But I don't think that because people maybe didn't remember the number of rivets in the side of the airplane that there was no airplane. Right, exactly. You know? and, and, and so all 20 people describe the accident slightly different, but all 20 people know there was an accident. Exactly. You know, and that maybe there was something odd that happened with it. Maybe we don't know exactly what it was or they get, you know, maybe a color wrong here or maybe the number of passengers in the car wasn't quite right. But does that mean that we should write off the whole thing is that it never happened? Yeah, well, at some point, if you if you completely discount human observation, I, I don't know what we're left with. Like we're left with. I, I have no idea. I mean, then I guess we're just in the matrix, right? We're ones and zeros following some predetermined programming and what's the fun of that well isn't isn't uh, observation the essence of uh, empirical evidence yeah of course yeah you, you yeah. repeatable uh, uh, observations is is science uh, and i get it and that's why i think when it comes to the paranormal as much as i appreciate some people try to apply science i don't know if we'll ever get there because belief plays too much of a role uh in this you you, you have to believe that that there is survival of death and that it's it, it can come in and out of our, our space for some reason or, or that you have to believe that there are creatures that that are out there that we have yet to to document um, like big tall ones or, or huge lake monsters or whatever. So I, I guess at some point it, 
it creates a bit of a leap of of uh, of some sort. But one of the things I love when you talk to people who have witnessed something, my favorite witness often goes like this: "Look, man, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in death." life, anything. All I know is I was standing here and there was a man in the corner with a beard this tall, looked right at me, and then he vanished. And living people don't do that. That's what I know. And I love that. It's so credible. It just it just reeks of of just, just genuine human experience. And and that's what it really comes down to, doesn't it? Our our experience, our human experience. And like we can say, well, okay, it's Life after death is logically impossible, but that doesn't mean that something isn't going on. So right. when you get these people who go, well, that's impossible, therefore it didn't happen. Well, that's not entirely logical either. I'm thinking, well, maybe we just need to try to come up with another explanation because it's happening. Therefore, something is going on, and maybe it's just what we assume it to be that isn't quite correct. Before well, we thing- find out what might be correct... Let's continue with Jeff Randall and Gene. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Message and data rates may apply. Ladies and gentlemen, this may be the last time you ever have to worry about hair loss. Because Bosley is the real deal. They're giving women and men their hair back permanently. They're real hair. All it takes to get started is a single text message. You'll get an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card when you text TITAN11 to 85850. Bosley will show you, for free, how great your hair could look. You'll also see, for free, why you're losing hair and how to get it back. Women and men all over the country trust Bosley because they're America's number one hair restoration expert. Ahead of the curve with the latest technology. And the best part? Bosley has permanent solutions to hair loss. You'll love what they'll do for your hair. So drop what you're doing long enough to send a text. Get your free information kit and gift card for $250 off by texting TITAN11 to 85850. Don't forget, that's T-I-T-A-N-1-1 to 85850. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll-free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. 
Extendivite really works. Just listen to what Wayne has to say. Extendivite. I have uh, been taking it for about two years, and I had uh, really bad heart palpitations. And since I've been taking it, I don't have any major episodes at all anymore. I'm 76 years old, and I still play competitive basketball. Well, of course, I've taken care of myself really good since I was 60, but um, Extendivite really helped the blood pressure, really helped the... I used to get really bad episodes of heart palpitations, just skipping beats and double beats. But also I wanted to tell you that I really appreciate your broadcast. They're just uh, really refreshing. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Making a statement there before Jeff Belanger picks up. Go ahead, please. I think Jeff was just going to cut right in there. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah go ahead, Jeff. Uh, one of the things that I've I've explained when I run into someone who's uh, skeptical about this, and that's fine. It's good. Skepticism is good. It's healthy. We we should look at it from all angles. But uh, one of the things that I I like to tell people is that there's lots of stuff I can't prove to you. I can't put a ghost in a jar. God, I wish I could and just show it to you. Uh, but I also can't prove to you that humor is real. I can't prove to you that pain is real. That pleasure is real. None of it. Uh, I can't put that in a jar. It is a human experience. If you stuck a needle in my arm in front of a room full of people, I imagine a lot of folks would probably wince and say, I bet that hurts. And they'd probably be right. But what is my threshold of pain compared to yours? Maybe that's just like a two out of 10 for me. Maybe that's a nine out of 10 for you. I mean, if you were to have the same thing happen. So this thing called pain that we've all experienced, love, which hopefully we've all experienced, I can't prove that's even real to you. But I hope that you felt it somewhere along the way from parents, from a lover, from someone, right? I hope you felt that emotion, even though I can't prove to you that it ex exists and I can't measure it. I can't scientifically put it in a beaker but yet it is a very real part of, of our lives. And I think all of this stuff is. It's us uh, contemplating really the biggest questions that humans have ever asked, right? Are we alone in the universe? What happens after we die? Do we know the creatures that walk the earth with us? Those, that's it. Those three, those are the biggies. I mean, there's tons of others that shoot off of that. But those are the big ones, man. And that's why I, I, I love, I stay up at night thinking about this. Like, what does it mean? Why is it here? Why am I... Looking into it, why can I not stop? <laughs> you know, I think we're a bit of kindred spirit for sure there when it comes to all of that. And yeah, really, really valid points there. I mean, that all gets into the whole area of consciousness. And we have a huge thread on our forum about that. In fact, uh, there's been a couple of really good posts lately on that that involve uh, the philosopher Merleau-Ponty. And so before we get into that, 
on your 30 odd minutes show, it's, you know, it's one thing to try and prove what our experience is, but you guys actually are kind of, uh, you're skeptical in your own way. You don't just believe in everything because on that show, I've watched how you guys have said, ah, no, this is just like some kind of a bug or a spider web in front of the lens. And we know that that's not really what the person thought it was. So I have a lot of respect for that personally. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, not everything that bumps in the night is a ghost. And uh, I remember watching uh, Michael Shermer speak. I got to see him speak in um, oh, yeah. uh, in California. And uh, he he said, um, and I met him. He's a great guy. Like I'm on his mailing list and everything. And so he was talking and he said, look, 99% of this stuff can be explained. And I leaped up and I said, I agree with you 100%. It's that 1% is where I live, right? I am not interested in, in the rule. I am interested in the exception. So I'm with you. 99% can probably be explained, but let's focus on the one. And, uh, and that's what I've tried to make a career out of. Right. That's like Stanton Friedman. You know, he, he's not yeah. interested in everything that's not a flying saucer. He's interested or was interested yeah. in the flying saucers. And he was very much what he called himself a non-apologist ufologist, which I absolutely respect because he wasn't afraid to say, look, I believe Earth is being visited by aliens from, and he believed they were from space, probably interstellar. I, I tend to empathize with that, but you know, I, I don't know for sure. I kind of like the multiverse theory personally, but what we do know is that we've got these things coming into our sphere of experience somehow we don't know exactly how or from where but we just know it's happening so i i i've i've had the fortune of um speaking at some of the same conferences that stanton spoke at and i've hung out with him a couple of times and what a sweet guy and um and will sorely be missed uh for sure but yeah no i, I liked his his no-nonsense approach and um but oh but but kind of warm heart really one of the things i struggle with 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 ufo researchers is that they're trying so desperately and i have sorry to paint a broad stroke here forgive me for this but I, I think in some cases many ufo researchers are trying to turn a human experience into ones and zeros and just the pure classification system right the close encounter of the first kind second kind third kind has to do with like did it change you did it affect you and and so on uh, it's so hard to to judge these things because we're judging what a witness is reporting I spoke to a MUFON researcher in Chicago once, and we were again at the same conference and talking. And I, um, uh, I was talking to him, and he said, "Yeah, we're working on this great case. It was a close encounter case, and everything. I mean, everything's lining up. The person's really credible. It's, it's. It, we're all taking down notes. Everybody had their tie on, by the way, not like the black T-shirts that us paranormal people wear. Uh, and so everybody's talking, and suddenly they said, "Oh, by the way, our our house is haunted as well." And he said it was like someone just farted in the car, you know, and you, you go, oh, so so now suddenly you don't believe them anymore. Suddenly it's all over. No more UFO because they also believe their house is haunted. And this is I think this is the danger of labels. And this is why when we look at it all as just uh, let, let's start with the story and go from there, then I think we can actually get a better rounded picture of what it is that might be going on as opposed to our narrow view of trying to fit it into a box for, for, for an experience that fits in no box to begin with, but we're trying desperately to do it. So uh, that's why I've, I've tried to zoom out and just be more of a story guy.
You know, in all this, I wonder, as we talk about ghosts, and you've been on some of the TV shows and radio shows, and we have all these reality shows, quote unquote, and I wonder here to what extent those shows, the articles, the magazines are corrupting people's perceptions of what's going on. And so yeah. it's like it feeds upon itself. No, of course. And, and I, I get that. And, and I'm, I've, I've worked for the Ghost Adventure show on the Travel Channel for 11 years now. I've worked on every episode. So um, I get it. And I, I've, I've said before that I, I see these shows, all of them, as, as both a blessing and a curse. The blessing is that we are taking these fringe topics out of the closet and bringing them out into the mainstream. So 20, 30 years ago, uh, uh, geez, I worked in, a, in an office in a very uh, conservative corporation, and I worked there for only seven months, but they were seven long months. And you couldn't stand by the water cooler and talk about your house being haunted. That would be weird. Uh, you would definitely get some strange looks. Today, I think you could. Hey, did you see that weird show over the weekend? Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? Actually, something like that happens at my house. And so suddenly we are allowed to talk about this stuff because it has entered the popular culture, because it has entered the mainstream. However, having been on uh, you know investigations that we've done with groups and stuff like that, it has definitely skewed the expectations where someone's like, hey, I've been here for seven minutes. Something should happen. And then we cut to commercial. And... You know, you have to explain, well, what you're watching on those shows is edited for, for entertainment purposes. You're, you're watching, you know, the, a show might film for a week and take many, many hours of footage and bring it all down to just 40 something minutes of television with, with breaks. And you know what? We've been trained to look at reality as 43 minutes plus commercials, give or take, depending on the show. I get those timings from Netflix without the commercials, so I'm not making it up. I know about yeah, that. Right. And that kind of alters our perceptions. We've got more to come. Jeff Belanger, Ghost Hunter. Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish? GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids, EPA, DHA, Insist on IFOS Omega-3 Fatty Acid Certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. With the recovery from Hurricane Dorian just beginning, the last thing the Bahamas need now is another storm. Tropical Storm Humberto is coming. 
Jack Bevan is with the National Hurricane Center. It does pose a threat of gusty winds up to tropical storm force and locally heavy rains over portions of the Bahamas. The impacts will be considerably less than occurred with Hurricane Dorian. Forecasters now say the storm will stay offshore of Florida's eastern coast. Actress Felicity Huffman became the first person to be sentenced in the college admission scandal in Boston. She received a sentence of 14 days in jail, a $30,000 fine, 250 hours of community service, and a year's probation. Fifteen parents, including Huffman, have pleaded guilty. Nine others are fighting the charges. This is USA Radio News. Balance of Nature. Changing the world, one life at a time. You guys have a great product, and I tell my friends about it, and I was actually talking to a guy the other day I just met, and he, he takes them. So you put out a great product, and I want to thank you and your, your organization. I just started using it, and my family's already seen the difference. And I have uh, health issues. I have fibromyalgia, asthma, but all of a sudden everything's clearing up, and I'm feeling better, and my skin's better. My brother said I look 10 years younger already. Wow. Okay. My vision is clear. I already see the difference. People are seeing the difference, and my doctor is seeing the difference. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. For a limited time, you can receive a 30% discount and free shipping on your first preferred order of balance of nature. Call 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we come to this wait, year. Wait, wait, wait. I get, wait, I'm taking us out of this break. Right before we went to the break, <laughs> you said <laughs> 43 go, minutes. Jeff, go. Go, go. No, you said 43 minutes because, yeah, then the rest of it's commercials. And then we cut to a commercial. That's awesome. The timing was just great. I planned that, by the way, folks. But the key, <laughs> you know, it's that's our reality. Here it varies because the time between commercial breaks ranges from just under nine minutes to just under 11 minutes. And the entire show is like an hour and 58 minutes. Really? actual show content the rest of the ads and this is normal for network radio so now you know all those secrets our reality however is 
more preserved when people subscribe to Paracast Plus. I got that in. And yeah, well done. For you, the ad free version of the show, go to plus.theparacast.com for more, plus the after the Paracast podcast. The point here is we have our expectations. We believe UFOs are spaceships. 33% of America, according to the latest Gallup poll, believe UFOs are spaceships. The others may disbelieve or have various states of belief in different things, collective unconscious, like our friend David Halpern, etc. The problem here is it feeds upon itself. And how then can you separate that belief expectation from something that may or may not be external? Yeah, I think it's going to have to come down to um, individual thinking for themselves, which uh, isn't always easy to do. Uh, The best we can do is just the best we can do. Right. We can put the information out. We can talk about critical thinking and talk about uh, what evidence is there, what evidence is not there, and hope that if someone really wants to know for themselves, then they're going to ask their own questions. I mean, think of any any lesson, right? Uh, Any life lesson you've ever learned. I can tell you, don't touch the stove when it's glowing red hot. It's going to burn you and really hurt. And you might believe me on some level, but until you actually touch it, for yourself and you feel that searing pain, the lesson won't fully be learned. I think in some cases we could talk about this, but if we can get someone interested enough to start asking their own questions, then we've done something great, something really great. You hit on, okay, two words, critical thinking. That is, I think what is missing a lot. What we have, like returning to the idea of the multiple types of experience within the different cliques, what I see is people wanting to affirm their own beliefs rather than to take themselves out of the equation as much as possible and apply critical thinking and to try to determine what is really going on as opposed to just affirming their own beliefs. So, you know, I never needed anyone to put my hand on the stove. From the youngest age, I was pretty, I was bright enough to think that, okay, I can see what's going on there. I can feel the heat when I get close enough. I don't want to get any closer. So, you know, people, people do have the ability to figure it out, but they need to apply themselves. You're right. And Randall, let me just, in all honesty, I had to touch the stove. Like I did. I admit it. I, I straight up. I, I knew it was hot. They said it was hot. I felt the heat when I got close, but still put the damn thing down until it burned. Uh, but just to quick, <laughs> quickly circle back to what Gene asked before about the reality shows, my sincere hope is that if these shows can spark some interest and even 10% of the viewers spark something that gets you asking questions, then I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, and we already know taking it into the popular culture helps make it less fringe and lets people talk about it. So that's a good thing. So just, just to finish that thought, I do think that there, there is good in it. Yes, it can skew expectations of what's really out there. Uh, things are dramatized uh, um, and to varying degrees and so on. But uh, at the same time, if it can get you talking, get you thinking, or at least on the path to that, then that's a good thing. And I, and I welcome that. S- since we're talking a bit about critical thinking in the first place, let's, w- what does that mean to you? Like, a lot of people will say, okay, well, let's apply critical thinking, but it's more than just, well, we want to make common sense of it. Yeah, I guess arriving at a place, not because you're told to be there, but because you've really explored the options and decided you 
that's where you want to be. I, you know, I, I mean, I'm an I'm a inquisitive person by nature and I want to know how things work and I want to know why they work and I want to explore and have adventures and, you know, climb mountains and look out from the top and so on. It's so that's just the way I'm wired. However, um, I recognize not everyone is wired that way, but at some point you do want to reach a conclusion. Otherwise, uh, I think that that's too frustrating for a lot of people to have endless, endless questions and, and no answers. So at some point, you you hope that someone reaches that place. So I, I think like religion, right, is one of those things where you're you're a lot of people are raised in a religion, so they don't know anything else. They just do what they've been taught since they were infants, and and they're sort of indoctrinated into it. And that's yeah, and that's, that's if I was socialization, we're all we've right. all socialized it to believe and behave in certain ways. Yeah, and, and if I were starting a religion, I'd do that too. Start with the kids, keep them till they're old. I would run it the same way. I get it. And, and you need people to have babies and bring their babies up in that religion. That's how the, the business grows. I totally get it. Uh, however, faith unquestioned to me isn't really faith. Faith untested isn't really faith. I mean, shoot, my priests used to teach us that. Um, and so they, they, they said faith un, untested isn't really faith. I, w- I would take it further to say unquestioned. So question it. Go ahead. And if you still reach that conclusion, I think that's, that's fine. That's fine for you. We have to get there somehow. So for me, when, my, when I was a young kid and sleeping over at a friend's house who said his house was haunted, I had a question. Are there really ghosts? I, I don't think you're lying to me. I looked in their face. I looked in the faces of their parents. That They had nothing to gain by telling me their house is haunted. If, in fact, anything, they had something to lose. And so I started asking questions. Are there ghosts? Could I see one for myself? Could I have my own experience? And that's what I've pretty much spent my, my career doing. Is, is trying to answer that for me. And I'm happy to pass along everything that I learn. I realize I'm not going to come up with some collective answer that everyone's going to agree, agree on. It's impossible. I gave up that years and years ago. Yeah, I mean, okay, here's a quote for you. The unexamined life is not worth living. Yeah, sure. Unless you're just going like at 180 all the time, just total adrenaline junkie. That's That still sounds pretty cool to me too, though. You know, just <laughs> bungee jumping, skydiving, let's go. Well, just experiencing life is awesome. I think we all need to do that. And there's no question that these experiences do change people's perspectives and worldviews quite dramatically when they actually have an experience. It's one thing to say, look, so long as it doesn't land on the green, it's fine. There can be aliens. But I would be willing to bet that if it actually happened to them while they were out on the green, I think they would have a completely different point of view on it. They would not be just thinking, well, you know, can't, couldn't you have landed somewhere else? <laughs> right, they, would right. truly, they would truly get it. It's a game changer, right? I mean, it's a game changer when you have that experience. Because if you see what you perceive to be a ghost or spirit, when you have that experience, then the answer is their life after death is answered for you as an individual. You're like, I've, I've tested the theory and I've reached my conclusion, period. Um, if you see a craft that you say, oh, look, I, I know enough about physics to know that nothing could, could fly like that, you know, or, or at that speed or make those, those sharp turns or whatever, then that, that gets answered for you. If you see an eight-foot-tall hairy creature walking in the woods while you're out there in a tree stand hunting deer, and you go, that doesn't make sense, you know, you get the, the answer. There is a Bigfoot. I just saw it. Um, and that's, that's a profound thing. It's a life changer. Uh, before we get too far into the show here, uh, and because you've got quite a list of them, I'd like to just go through 
uh, the list of some of your books that you've got, and you can just tell us a bit about what's going on with them and, uh, or, and some of their highlights. So now you wrote the Encyclopedia of Haunted Places back in 2009. Can you tell us a bit about what that book is about? We're going to have a break in 30 seconds. All right. And unless Jeff is a miracle worker, and I think he is, but if he's that kind of miracle worker where he can speak as fast as the Federal Express man, if you remember him years ago, a guy who yes. spoke very, very fast. It's kind of like the people who list the problems you're going to have with that wonderful new drug. Oh, by the way, this is what it will do to you. Well, everybody's smiling and laughing. And don't get me started. Jeff Belanger is joining us. Ghost Hunter Extraordinaire. Is that a good one? Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do 
all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. I'm getting older and noticing that my body just doesn't work as well as it used to. So I like to keep fit as possible by hitting the gym a few times a week. Recently, I started having a nagging bicep pain and it got so bad I couldn't even lift the weights. When I was complaining about it to a friend, he told me about Angioprim. He said chelation helps remove toxins, heavy metals, and cholesterol in veins and arteries that may cause blockages. You know, after just one week of taking Angioprim, the pain was gone and now I'm back in the gym full strength. So Scientific research proves the active ingredient in angioprim has superior oral chelation action that helps promote cardiovascular health. So to learn more, go to angioprim.com. That's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com. Or talk to a trained consultant. Call angioprim toll-free at 877-882-7221. You'll feel better with more energy. Call 877-882-7221 or go to the website angioprim.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we didn't want to give you, Jeff, only 30 seconds to talk about that book, but now you have some time. So I've written 15 books. And so if we were going to give like a minute to each, that's just too much. And not uh, really. No, I think we should go that, through some of them. So let's, oh my uh, let's all do right, it. All right. If you the want. Encyclopedia so, of Haunted Places. Let's uh, talk so about that first. The idea was to just write a little on a lot of places. And I enlisted the help of paranormal investigators all over the world who wrote about some of their favorite haunts. I was the editor. I wrote plenty of the entries, but I, I edited the others and they all have their own bylines, you know, the, the investigators. And so that was the idea just try to like bring the, that community together uh, to talk about some of their favorite haunts. All of them are places the public can visit. So that was, that was the only caveat. It couldn't be a private home. It had to be a place that someone could actually go and experience. Oh, so that's pretty cool. So it's a collective uh, of a bunch of different uh, writers, not just yourself. That's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, that was a fun project. Okay, let's um, move on to Ghosts of War. Now, this is this is kind of interesting because we were talking earlier in the show about well, people don't just see you know ghosts of people they don't know, but we you know we've heard of these phantom legions and stuff. So maybe tell us a bit about that book. Yeah. So when you spend a long time studying various phenomena, you I always talked about don't put them in boxes. You can't help but put them into boxes. So there's this whole genre of like. Uh, battlefields. So many battlefields have ghosts attached to them for good reason, I think. I mean, gosh, I've said for a long time, Gettysburg is haunted because it should be haunted because we should never forget because they never put in strip malls and stuff like that. It's That's what it looked like back then for the most part. When you stand there and and realize all the, the people who died, the thousands who, who were dead, missing, or wounded in the span of three days in July of 1863, if you don't feel something I would argue that that's not you're not human, uh, and I'm not talking about a psychic impression. I'm talking about uh, pure empathy. 
like the, the idea that you can tune into the emotions of others. And I think we can tune into the emotions of others, even if they're not alive anymore, even if they've been dead for 150 years plus. That's what that is about. And those places are, are powerful and they're profound. And if we can connect with it, if we can understand what happened, like in that case during the Civil War, maybe we, we have a chance. You know, people talk about how divided the nation is now and, and so on. When you're a student of history, you can look back and go, well, it's been worse. <laughs> it's been much yeah, worse. Yeah, I mean, when you look at some of the reenactments about those, I mean, yeah. there's people like, you know, getting their heads taken off with cannonballs and stuff. Like, sure, that is really grisly stuff. It's hard to believe that. It makes you wonder how the human race has managed to advance as far as it has when people behaved like that in past history. And, and history is so full of that kind of stuff. It's just amazing. Yeah, so 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 to me, that was just kind of exploring some of those battle sites. So it's it's a it's a history book, and it's a book about ghost sightings at those places. Because a, a good ghost story, uh, there's no secret to the formula. It starts at the end, like a mystery. You have a ghost, and now you have to ask, well, who is this ghost, and why is it here? And in a battlefield, that question is often answered sort of easily. You go back and you look at what left a mark in that location, and then you can sort of, you can connect. The thing about Gettysburg is so many people died uh, in that battle that uh, numbers are cold. You know, I mean, you yeah. you can't connect. You can't connect to 3,000 dead at 9-11, right? It's just, that's a number. It's It's a cold number. But when you tell the story of one individual, one person who was a father, a brother, a husband, a, a son, and so on, and you connect with him, then multiply that by thousands, and then you've got something. So I think ghosts are, uh, are a powerful way for us to connect with, with some of the horrors of our past, because they will haunt us. They will continue to haunt us, as they should, and I'm grateful for that. Okay, so moving on with hauntings, who's haunting the White House? <laughs> that was my first children's book. That was such a fun project oh, to work on. It's a kid's book. <laughs> yeah, it was for, it's middle readers. So uh, it's illustrated and it was such a great project. I did that for Sterling. That's the publishing company. And I had written about the White House in my first book, um, The World's Most Haunted Places. I just had a little chapter on it. But there were so many stories and so many credible stories from great witnesses, from presidents to employees and so on. I said, this deserves its own book. And so I called the White House. And this was back when George W. Bush was president, which, which actually is irrelevant to the story. It's just that happened to be the time period. And I called the main number. This is back when people use telephones. And so I called the main number and the switchboard and I said, hi, I'm, I'm an author and I'm, I'm looking to do a book about the ghost of the White House and I'm not quite sure who to talk to. And they were like, hold on, hold on. Uh, let me put you through. That was it. I just like almost verbatim told you the conversation with the switchboard operator of the White House. 20 seconds later, I'm on the phone with the boss and the boss is not the president. <laughs> Like the boss is the chief usher. The chief okay. usher is the person that all the employees of the White House report to. That's like the wow. cleaning crew, the butlers, the groundskeepers. Uh, this chief usher, uh, Gary Walters, had been there since Nixon. He'd served every president since Nixon and, and has spent more time in that building, I would argue, than any president. I mean, sure, he gets to go home at the end of the day. But if you put in 40, 60, 80 hours a week for all those years, that's going to add up more than eight years in office for somebody. Yeah. So I was like, you are like the star witness, my man. And, and I said, hey, I want to do a book about the ghost of the White House. And he said, yeah, we're not interested. And I said, well, wait, it's a children's book. And we're going to use ghosts as like an innovative way to teach history to kids. So, you know, you can't know who a ghost, ghost is unless you know who a ghost was. And he said, go on. 
(laughs) Like, I got you now. So um, with some help from my congressman who got me the clearance, and then I had to do a background check and I got to go down there and I I got a a private tour. I got to see the, the place. I got to interview Gary Walters and talk to some of the other staff. These folks are just amazing. They're amazing patriots, amazing historians. They serve their country by serving that house. And I think there's a reason that they refer to the president as like POTUS, right? They don't want to call him by name because if you call him by name, that becomes a fallible person. And I don't think a Secret Service agent would ever take a bullet for Barack or George or Don or Bill, but they would absolutely, without a question, take a bullet for POTUS, the president of the United States. They would take a bullet for their country. And that represents their country. And I, I realized that's how they think about it. They also were very forthcoming about their ghosts. I spoke to a butler who said, yeah, I walked upstairs on the second floor. That's the living area. It was early in the morning. I turned the lights on and there's Abraham Lincoln sitting with his legs crossed. He looked right at me and then he disappeared. Wow. And I said, okay, this is one of the most credible witnesses you will ever find. Now, Harry S. Truman wrote about the ghosts like six different times in letters to his wife. He wrote about the ghosts. Uh, Reagan mentioned the ghosts. The Clintons mentioned the ghosts. The Obamas. It, it comes up again and again. But those folks are presidents and first families. We don't drug test them. We don't psychologically screen them. We don't background check them. Nothing. They could be crazy and on drugs. However, the foreman, the chief operations foreman of the White House, is drug tested, is background checked, is psychologically screened because he's around the president, the first family, foreign heads of state, and everybody else. If he says he saw a ghost, I believe him more than any president in my lifetime. And that was his most credible witness I'll, I'll ever hear. And the stories are so well documented, whether it's letters that are, that are in presidential libraries or whatever. I, I called all the presidential libraries. They were so helpful. It was just an incredible experience and a fun book that uh, that came together. It's out of print now, but it's it is available as an audio book if you're in audible.com. Well, that, that's a really interesting story. And for you know the people out there wondering, you know, why am I going through this? Isn't just to promote your books, but it gives us a view, a lens into your writing and the fascinating kinds of stories that you just talked about there. And we do have quite a few people in our audience who like to hear how it is that people write books especially when they're very prolific, because we have writers and other people who are interested in the paranormal, uh, just like yourself. Thanks for sharing that. I I found that quite fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So now we can go like uh, communicating with the dead. Here we go. Yes. So my first book was World's Most Haunted Places. And and I was trying to answer one question. Are there ghosts? I think for me, that's that's the best way to approach something as big as a book is try to answer like one, maybe two questions. And I felt like I answered that, that yes, there are what they are. You know, I don't know. But like, yes, there are. So communicating with the dead was about, well, if they're out there, then can we bridge the gap? Can we communicate? It's not like a psychic how-to. It's more of like a historical look at things like the Ouija board, which we talked about earlier, and dowsing rods and esoteric tools and spirit photography, which had been around since not too long after the daguerreotype came on the scene, and automatic writing. The ways and means that people use to try to bridge that gap and the history of it and, and, and the practice of it. That was a really fun project for me because I just met so many interesting people that this is clearly a part of their spirituality, right? It's not just a like a practice. It's not occult per se, although I get occult means mystery. It's, so I guess it's that a little bit. But for the most part, it was just them expressing their spirituality, but in a very tangible way and that they're reaching out to specific people 
and believe they're getting specific answers as opposed to just praying to God and hoping you get a new job or, or whatever. With Gene, Jeff, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now, there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. I've probably noticed in the past five years that my eyes have gained a lot of fine lines, wrinkles. My crow's feet have gotten deeper. Wow. I was hoping for five years, but that's like what my eyes looked like ten years ago. That is really cool. Wrinkle gone? (laughs) It's easy. Just put it on your finger and go. Now I wish I had more down here because I can still see one wrinkle it's bugging me. I am a little bit emotional. I turning 40 I didn't think would be a big deal to me, but that looks like the me that I feel like inside instead of what um, what I see when I look in the mirror. Try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com. That's gcnlife.com. 30-day money back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com. That's gcnlife.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Those answers didn't come by Ouija board or by channeling. Just want to remind you of that. Go ahead, (laughs) please, Jeff. Yeah, that was it. It was just, yeah, a a kind of a look at the cross-section of the way people have tried to communicate with spirits. Fascinating. So at the same time, you have written one for, you know, about how people can go out and check things out for themselves. Picture yourself legend tripping your complete guide to finding UFOs, monsters, ghosts, and urban legends in your own backyard. Oh, that book sold awful. It didn't do well at all. (laughs) And and I'll tell you why. It sounds like, a you know, yeah, no, thank you. you I'd like to be able to find them in my own backyard. How do we how do we do that? Yeah. So it was one of my favorite books that I ever wrote. I think it's one of my best books and it sold like to my mom and like two friends. And the reason is I think because people weren't ready for the term legend tripping and it wasn't descriptive enough of what it actually is. Legend tripping to me is hearing a great story. Like we all heard this as kids, like the the cursed headstone of the witch. If you knock three times at midnight, she'll come out and grab you. And you're at a sleepover with your buddies and you sneak out of the house and you go into the cemetery and you're standing there and you go, go ahead, do it. 
knock on it. It's midnight. And you go, no, I, I don't really feel like it right now. Let's say, you know, or like you're at the sleepover and you, you, let's summon Bloody Mary. Let's light the candle right. and say Bloody Mary three times. And I don't care how much of a diehard skeptic you are. I've posed this before. Next time you're home alone, whatever your home is, apartment, whatever, home alone at night, shut the doors, turn off the light, light a candle, stand in front of a mirror, look at your, your own reflection and say it slowly. Bloody Mary. <laughs> Bloody Mary. Right? And you don't have to tell me. You can lie, whatever. Just to yourself, though, before you say it that third time, do you have one little moment inside of you that goes, oh, God, what if? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's better than saying Beetlejuice three times. Right. Oh, That's wow. right. You're like, yeah, because you go, you go, oh, no. What if that woman does leap out of the realm of the mirror and attacks me and scratches my face and like and you blow the candle out and you put the lights on and you go yeah it's all bs jeff you're you're full of it I'm like yeah well, i BS. know people that think mirrors are are you know instruments of the occult and and would be totally spooked they wouldn't even think of doing that because like no are you nuts like you know forget it they'll try and steal my soul what's great about that is that when you really look into a legend you'll know why mirrors are tools of the occult and why they're dangerous it goes all the way back to narcissists right this is the guy that was so vain so incredibly vain that he was on the ground and he looked at his himself as a reflection in a puddle and he fell so hopelessly in love with his reflection that he stayed there until he died, right? Like that's the narcissist. That's where we get the term is from. That's kind of extreme. Yeah. I think I've run into a few people like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it comes from. The idea that you're so in love with yourself that you would rather just stare at your own wonderful reflection until you starve to death. You forget to eat your soul in love. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Right. And, and mirrors were very expensive at one point. They were, they were hard to produce. If you broke one, it's seven years bad luck. Because be careful. These things really cost a fortune. Not like today. You can get them for like a buck at the dollar store. But there was a time. So we've had all this mystique around the reflection and around the mirror. Jewish customs, right? During a funeral, you cover the mirrors. You know, this is because we, we don't want to be vain. Uh, there's so much power in the mirror because sometimes we look at it and we don't like what we see. So when you're really getting into legends, you just keep going back and say, how did it happen? How, how did we get here? And so legend tripping is all about that. Like, like I heard a weird story and I want to check it out and I want to figure out how it came to be. Well, that's uh, pretty cool, actually. I, I really like the sound of that. Okay. Real life ghost encounters. I mean, I, that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Yeah, that was called Our Haunted Lives. And that, that book was about, uh, I, I tried my best to rip off the great Studs Terkel, who was, uh, was prolific back in like the 1920s and 30s. He was a radio guy. And he wrote these books of interviews with people where he left in some of the pauses and, and a lot of the way they use language. So like the ums and the uh, and I don't know, man, I, yeah, I just, okay. And then there it was, you know, like you leave it all in because I want you to hear the voice. So this was not quite transcripts. Think of them as cleaned up transcripts of people that have had profound ghost encounters. And I started with George Lutz, who lived in the Amityville house. And we spoke for hours about everything from the summer of 75 to moving into that house to moving out and, and everything that happened you know, to him after that. And learning that the Jay Anson's book, Amityville Horror, was quite an exaggeration. The movies were gross exaggerations. But the stuff he described was really quite frightening. And I wanted you to hear his voice. And so you you get to read all, all the words that he used. And that was my attempt to do that for, for everyone that I Is spoke to. Is that one in an audio book? No, it's not, unfortunately. Oh, that's, no. that'd make a good one by the sounds of it. 
he's passed away and I only have him on this old cassette tape when I interviewed him. Like the old, you know, 90 minute Memorex, you know, which it's, it's still in my basement somewhere though. Yeah. On cassette. Well, I mean, you can get them digitized nowadays. That would be pretty cool to hear some of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And of course, well, uh, this is a classic, the mysteries of the Bermuda triangle. Yeah. Just want to say something and we'll go on to the Bermuda triangle. One of my friends back in the, Early 80s was Charles Berlitz, who wrote that book. Yeah. I haven't heard much about the triangle since then, so maybe you can bring us up to date on what you covered. <laughs> so I told you about Who's Haunting the White House was a children's book. My editor there went on to Penguin, the publisher, and she said, would you write this early reader book for us? So this is literally for like third graders. <laughs> and the idea was to take a really cool subject that might entice some certain, you know, like basically the three of us when we were kids, the kind of book we would grab, you know? So I said, that would be fun. So this breaks no new ground, admittedly. It's meant for very young people to get drawn into it, an interesting subject, but it was fun. I did talk to Bruce Gernon, who's the guy that uh, had the the missing time. He was flying in the plane from uh, Bimini to Miami. So I did get to interview him about what he experienced, his uh, electric fog, I think is the term he uses. Right, yeah. So that was cool to talk to him about it. So yeah, but, but most of all, like just so everyone's aware, that's that's for that's a book to get for your second grader to learn how to read. <laughs> it yeah, but I think that's actually kind of cool because I mean, they, there's all sorts of ways that we indoctrinate people into the world. Maybe let me put it this: Why shouldn't we be able to introduce young people to the subject in a way that they find interesting? Yeah. And, and it's, it's very much, I mean, it's all aboard readers level two. I mean, like not to brag, <laughs> you know, but it was, uh, but it was, it was fun to, to do that. And, and um, writing for children is quite a challenge. It's way harder than writing for adults because you, you can, um, you know, you can kind of wax philosophic when you're writing for adults. You can go on tangents with kids. You got to be focused on point and sharp, like succinct all, all, all the time. And so uh, I think it's a good lesson for any writer to, um, to kind of dabble in that on occasion. But since you, you raise the subject the, of the Bermuda Triangle, even though it's for right. grade school kids, what is your perception? What's your opinion about it? Yeah. So I, again, I look at it from all angles. You've got Hurricane Alley there. You've got a, a giant amount of, of water, uh, dangerous ocean, um, and so on. You've got doldrums. You've got uh, so many cultures and so on. So of course you question well, our, if we looked at any area on Earth that big and just looked for the tragedies, I'm sure we'd find a bunch. So I get that. However, there are a few that really, the Flight 19 one has always bothered me, that you had all these pilots, one with quite a bit of an experience, who couldn't figure out how to get back over land and ran out of gas or or. or or and then they never really found, they think they found a plane and then they go and check it out and it's either, no, that's not it. Different Zero plane, numbers yeah. don't match. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and then there was a plane that went out looking for them afterwards to it find them up. and it, it disappeared. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. So I, I remember that. Yeah. And, and so there's a few that really, you scratch your head. Like, how do you lose something that big? You know? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's, what's behind it, but I do know that um, I've been through the, triangle i've i've been um you know I've, I've been down to the bahamas and i've been to antigua and, and so on and and i've flown over it um <laughs> you know and and at some point you are become conscious of it you're like huh i'm in the bermuda triangle right now <laughs> i wonder if i'm gonna make it back yeah, yeah. Right. Even, yeah we don't talk about the millions of people that pass through there every year and make it just fine uh, we, yeah. we talk about the exceptions 
Okay, now how about this one? Paranormal encounters, a look at the evidence. Okay, what evidence did you come up with in this book? Um, Paranormal encounters. I think that was a a rebrand for libraries of a book I wrote called The Ghost Files. I think if that's the the one you're looking at. Um, So we got a break, folks. To hate to interrupt, we've got more to come with Jeff, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunny Bay quality products start at under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect 
support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunny Bay quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. You know, there's live action in our home studios. Like someone was trying to vacuum the floor, and I said, you know what? The microphone picks that up. I can't hide that sound. Not spiritually. I can't bring in a ghost and do yes. that. Let's go on with and Jeff Belanger. That would be great because then you'd have people listening and saying like, I hear it says like, you know, listen to the Paracast, right? If you listen just right, you know, so that, that white noise, you could have played it up, but that's fine. You know, you can, you do it your way, your show. Okay. Um, is EVP really evidence? Let's talk a little bit about the evidence. Okay. Yeah. So EVP, I can't even spell EVP. You know, I I've tried, I've, I've got the audio recorders. I've tried recording. I don't seem to get it. And one of the things I do understand is that humans uh, have an ability to seek out and listen for uh, the spoken word, human language. And, and as soon as you hear a human voice, it triggers the highest level of processing in your brain. So if you're in an airport and someone starts speaking Cantonese around you, the highest parts of your brain will get activated, assuming you don't speak Cantonese. I don't. You'll, your brain will go, oh, this is, this is, these are words. This is human, human words. I need to listen. And then your brain will say, eh, it's a language I don't understand. It'll then get pushed down into background noise because there's nothing you can do with the information. Or if it's words you do understand, maybe it's in English, you'll say, oh, what is this? And they'll say like, oh, you know, be sure to check out our sale for coffee. And then you go, ah, I don't care about that information. You push it back down. We are programmed from birth to find human voices and find and seek out words. The English language only has a, a small number of sounds that make up all of our words. So I think sometimes it's almost like looking for faces in the clouds where I've heard some, some EVP where someone's like, you hear it went I'm like, yeah, I heard that. It says, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, really? I don't hear that at all. I heard cheeseburger time. You know, I mean, I, I have no idea. <laughs> you, you know, um, that uh, being said, once in a blue moon, I would hear something that's so clear that if you played it for 10 people individually and said, just tell me what this says, all 10 would agree. And that, assuming the person's not duping me, I wasn't there when it was recorded, that's pretty profound. But I've also had experience where someone sent me a, uh, an EVP once that said, listen to this, it's, it's Morse code. And I went, okay. So I brought it into a wave editor and I said, yeah, you're darn right. It's Morse code. Uh, there it is. Long dashes, short, you know, I, there it was. I, I brought up Google and I brought up Google and I put it in dot, dot, dash, dot, whatever, you know, the whole thing. And the message was something like, 
XR7J95, like something like that. But everything was a, was a letter or a number in, in succession. And I went, well, what the heck is that? And I Googled it, and it turned out that was the transmitter beacon of a radio tower near the airport, less than a quarter mile from where this EVP was captured. Their audio recorder had picked up that signal very faintly in the back, and they heard perfect Morse code that was being transmitted from a radio tower. So these devices can pick up strange and floating around uh, various radio waves. Anyway, so I do think sometimes maybe that's what's happening. Sometimes we're just trying to find a face in the cloud. But once in a while, I've heard a few where I'm like, wow, that is a direct response. And if and assuming you didn't have a friend whisper and I wasn't there to see it, that is really something. And it does make you wonder, maybe just maybe there's there's more to it than than just the uh, you know the strange static. Okay, well, uh, then... And of course, we've got the world's most haunted places. So this is a, a map or a, a travel guide or, or what, what are we? Yeah, it was just it was places from around the world that I've I've looked into over my career. Just I just think some of the, the best stories. And that was actually my first book. It's been done in second editions now and stuff. But it's the history, but combined with the personal experiences and so on of, of people that are there, like the Queen Mary and the catacombs of Paris, France and the Tower of London and the White House was, was in there. And so many of the the, the the kind of the famous ones and that book first came out in 2004 and it's still in print you know 15 years later which is, well, which is yeah, i think it's really cool i mean if i was yeah. going to go on a, a tour or a world trip or, I'd, i've often thought that's exactly the kind of thing i would want to check out is where these places are and then uh, write about them now how how did you did you travel to any of these places yourself most of them, yeah. Oh, Most that's really interesting. Yeah. So, so I've, you've yeah. been all over the place, eh? I have. Australia, Africa, Europe, North America, South America. Yeah, I... Um I've been to to most of them. Uh, some I had to do remotely. I just couldn't afford to get there. But it's... Um, yeah, I, I've incorporated the paranormal into my travels since I've been traveling. When I when I got out of college, I was working for a, a, um, a tech startup at one point and they were sending me all over the world they would send me to paris you know for a business trip and i was on a five-star budget this was during the tech boom between meetings i'd have a few hours and i would sneak off and go to the catacombs and i'd write about it for my website people like how do you afford to go to paris to just write about the catacombs (laughs) and i'd say i don't i did it wasn't i didn't spend a dime you know like i was uh, i was there for something else and i just ahead of time looked into what i wanted to see and so i've been doing that since uh you know since i was a teenager so that's kind of like a a bit of like life's work coming together well that's really actually pretty cool so did you have any experiences then maybe tell us a bit about some of your own if you've had some yeah sure so the first time i saw a ghost was in the catacombs of paris france and i was down there it was about 11 30 in the morning and the catacombs uh, are really fascinating because Paris dates back like 2,000 years. It was a Roman outpost, and then it became a little town, and it grew and grew and grew. And they had all this limestone to build with. And over time, the, the city's in the way. So to get to the limestone, they start tunneling underneath, eventually like 300 kilometers of tunnels. And as the city is sprawling out, it's getting bigger and heavier and denser, and the buildings are getting taller. By the mid-1700s, the cemeteries, which were on the outskirts of town, which is where you put cemeteries when you build a town, uh, eventually weren't the outskirts anymore because over centuries, the city had just surrounded them and kept going. 
And so the cemeteries are full. There's no place left to bury the dead. Corpses are spilling into the street. And some of the buildings are starting to collapse because the ground underneath is hollow and uh, from, from the, all the quarrying. So they're going to solve two problems. They're going to close these tunnels and they're going to empty the cemeteries. And so they, they moved all the bones down there between like the mid-1700s to 1800s. The first time I went down there, I was completely alone. And I'm walking through these tunnels. I'm about six foot two. I had to duck in various spots to, to get by. And then other places it opens up. And then you go through this door that says, uh, which means stop. This is the empire of the dead. And as I walk through, I was greeted by six million human skeletons just all around me. Just this, oh, this macabre rows of skulls and bones in these, these very macabre uh, setups. And there were signs that told you where the bones came from, like this, the cemetery, but there's no way to know who's who anymore. And I'm walking through a hallway that's, if I, if I stuck my f- hands out in both directions, I would have been touching skulls with both fingertips. It's that narrow. Wow. And I'm walking down this long hallway and suddenly I see a shadow, the size of a man step out and go, go from the right side to the left and back. And I just froze. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. You know, I know no one's down here with me because they would have bumped into me. They would have literally hit me. And then I think, okay, maybe there's a little side tunnel up there and someone just came in from there. But then I get closer and no, there's no side tunnel at all. It's just a long straightaway. And you think, okay, okay, okay. a little mouse could walk by a light on the ground and cast a great big shadow. And you're like, no, the lighting's at my shoulders. It's aiming down. I went through everything I thought it could possibly be. And I was left with just one word and that's ghost. Or spirit, shadow, I don't shadow person. We have some words right now. Yes, right. and they're not from ghosts. I don't think. Jeff, Gene, Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Impeachment is again in the spotlight at both the White House and Capitol Hill. Democrats are reluctant to call what the House Judiciary Committee is starting an impeachment inquiry. Yet, President Trump tweets, you don't impeach presidents for doing a good, parentheses, great job. I said it's hard to impeach somebody who didn't do anything wrong. The Mueller report is out. There's no collusion after two and a half years. Think of it. How ridiculous. I collude with Russia. In fact, Russia said, you know, if we really did pick him, we made a real bad choice. A son of the late al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden has been killed during an American counterterrorism strike in the Afghanistan-Pakistan region. 
Records show that Hamza bin Laden was being groomed to succeed his father. The confirmation coming from the White House a few days after the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. This is USA Radio News. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven, gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. This is Jacques Vallée, you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, obviously, the skeptics will say, why call it ghosts? You know, because I don't have another word. I that's la- it. I, I, and it's- I'm an English major. I'm a word guy. And I lack the lexicon to come up with another term for you for what it is I saw down there other than ghost spirit or shadow person take your pick well ghost implies of course someone who died is coming back as something or other right so i saw something and that was the way out so i had to keep going in that way and uh and 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 it's one of those things that it took days weeks months for that to fully process you know it's almost like a like a picture that you took, like the old Polaroids, you know, they don't develop right away. They take a few minutes. At that point, I was always this objective journalist. And then suddenly I lost some objectivity because I had an experience that I now believe to be a ghost. Up to that point, I'd interviewed hundreds of people then, thousands now. And I would say, you know, I, well, I believe that you believe. I wouldn't call you a liar. It's your experience. But I, I never quite had my own until that moment. And it was a game changer. Well, that's how that goes. And, and even when we've had our own experiences, as, as I have as well, I can't point out at any specific person and say, okay, I know you're telling the truth. All I can think is reasonable enough to believe is that there are so many other people who seem to be sincere 
who say they've also had similar experiences that I'd have to be going back to narcissists, completely narcissistic or self-absorbed to think that I'm the only one telling the truth. Other people must be having them as well. But the nature of the phenomena is such that it doesn't leave us with any objective evidence to be able to prove it. Yeah, you're right. And then we come down to, you know, we also have to remember the limitations of language, right? All human language has its limits. And those of us who are writers work our best to overcome them as, as much as we can, but we can only push the envelope so far. When someone experiences something, they have to use the words that they know to describe it. And that's something we, we as researchers have to understand, you know, that, that someone who does not have a robust vocabulary might say, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a hate, it was a ghost, it was, a, you know, whatever, uh, a shade. In medieval times and, and before in ancient times, when they saw these things, strange things flying in the sky, they went down in, in the our records then as, a, you know, I saw a flying shield over right. the river. And so we have, you know, a, a, a large disc with a raised center, and they called them flying shields. You know, today we call them flying saucers. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought you, one of my favorite Bible passages, of course, is, uh, the, you know, the, the, um, the very descriptive, uh, the, the description of, of, the, of the wheels within the wheels, you know, the coming down from heaven. Right, the, right. Ezekiel. The, the Ezekiel ship, right? The Eze- Thank you, Ezekiel. That's what I was forgetting. So the Ezekiel ship is, is in the Bible. And I always, I always had this thought that, like, it's, it's so, if, and I've read the Bible, it's fascinating. You know, this story, though, sticks out in, in its description. It is so technical. It is so this long and that long and this face, and it moved and it moved within a wheel within a wheel, and there was fire and so on. And I always thought, man, if I could build a time machine, wouldn't it be awesome to go back? And I got to believe if, if we had time machines, that would be one of the things that people would want to see. And so you go back to the time in the land of Ezekiel and you, you bring your ship down and you're looking around for the Ezekiel ship and you see this guy Ezekiel looking at you from across the valley, just writing notes and going, what the heck is that thing? And that's when you go, oh man, I'm the Ezekiel ship. I mean, from their perspective, how else are they supposed to interpret it? They probably didn't really understand what technology was today. We might look at, you know, faces around the outside of a circular flying object to some sort of windows or portals. Yeah. They actually built a, so tried to build a flying saucer back in, in the days when they were having all kinds of reports. The thing never flew very well, but it had a big circular jet motor right in the middle of a circular craft. You know, housing. So uh, it sounds to me when not like anything supernatural, it sounds like they're trying to describe in some ancient language some sort of technology that they've never experienced before. That's right. And, and that's, that's what all of us can do, right? We can just use the, uh, what's, what's in our tool shed like, to describe anything, whether it's a car accident or a UFO sighting or a ghost sighting or a Bigfoot sighting, whatever it is, we can only do our best to convey something that uh, was profound and doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to us at the time. You know, I've interviewed people enough over the years that uh, I'm fortunate because I do this so publicly, I've become kind of a magnet. Someone has an experience, they share their story with me rather quickly. Over time, the story is going to change. They do that. Uh, Sometimes people get laughed at enough times where if you ask them a year later about that experience again, they'll go, you know what, I think I was just mistaken. 
because I'm tired of being laughed at. So I've just sort of rewritten my own brain to say it was just a coincidence. I was overtired or whatever, or it can go the other way, right? It's the classic fishing story. Yeah. The fish was, you know, two feet long, three feet long, five feet long. It just keeps growing and they don't mean to, it doesn't make them bad people. It just means that when you're telling a story and you're getting someone's rapt attention, sometimes people can't help but embellish uh, the parts that uh, are getting the most attention and the most focus from the audience. It's We all do it to some degree. And so the, our challenge, again, as researchers is to get those stories early and objectively because they're going to change. And that's the best we can do is like gather that data early on. Yeah, one of the things that always occurs to me when we try to look at what people are seeing and the cultural influences. So, of course, in so-called biblical times, Ezekiel's wheels in the Middle Ages, now the sci-fi culture and the question would be then, if there is a UFO phenomenon a hundred years from now, how would it be perceived? Does it grow and change according to our ability to describe it? That's kind yeah. of a weird no, situation, but yeah, and we we fit it into the context of our society, and then art reflects society, society reflects art. I think back to the 1980s, which we were all there. Uh, remember all the large black wings that were being spotted, the black triangles being spotted in the sky all over the place. Later on, we would learn there's this thing called the stealth bomber. Suddenly, you know, all those sightings were probably legit. They were uh, maybe it doesn't describe all of them, but in many cases, maybe they saw a stealth bomber that they weren't necessarily supposed to see. And, and the UFO narrative worked well for the U.S. government to cover up their new secret aircraft. In the 1980s, ghosts were not really in vogue. It was really all about extraterrestrials. And we had the movie E.T. And we had Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And we had all kinds of space movies because that was what was happening in the culture at the time. And then uh, in a post-9-11 world, it's gone more spiritual and ghostly. It's, it's all cyclical. Then now, again, also- I always wonder here... How many people have these experiences and use it as an excuse to escape organized religion because it's not meeting their needs for whatever reason? Yeah. And again, when I say story or legend, I don't want people to think I'm talking about pure fiction. I'm talking about the thing that takes over once something strange has happened somewhere. Um, That's the part that I can kind of wrap my hands around, even if I can't prove the thing behind it. So what happens is the you know, we're always latching on to narratives. We all, we're tribal people, you know, so we do that. We, we, we want to say like, well, I'm a UFO believer that now becomes part of my identity, or I'm a flat earther. That's now part of my identity, or I'm a ghost investigator. I'm a ghost believer. And, and that changes who they perceive themselves to be, as opposed to just being the person they were before who just happened to have a profound experience. We live in a time where we, we're slapping constant labels on ourselves and others and, uh, and and I think I think the internet plays a huge role in that, but but it, it is a shame that we have to be so defined by the things we believe in as opposed to just who we are in our character. We also have a polarized society in this day and age. Easy access to get online. We have the internet in our pockets, purses everywhere we go, and that creates the climate where we find the stuff that meets our needs or beliefs. We go into this little bubble, and then they have this bubble, and they have that bubble, and the people in the various bubbles never get to see one another or appreciate their differences in beliefs. Now, I'll avoid the political aspects of what I just said, because every time we do raise something about politics here in the PowerCast, guess what happens? We get 
cards and letters from people saying, we don't want to hear about politics. And then we talk about UFO disclosure. And of course, that's all political. So basically, you can't win, no matter what we say. More to come with Jeff, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti 
anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Tehebo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tehebo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com, 818-984-6100, ShopSuperTea.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The bubble philosophy, the polarized society, how do we get through to that, Jeff Belanger? You know, I think we just encourage people to have adventures, to connect, right? So to me, the paranormal is about connecting. It's about connecting with our past, with our present, with our own inevitable future, with each other. And if we can talk about that stuff, one of the things I discovered long ago when I started talking about ghosts in front of audiences is that if I were to go up in front of a a group of people and I would say, let me tell you about my religion, everyone would squirm. They'd go, oh, no, please, please, please don't do that. It's going to be horrible. Even if we're the same, it's what are the chances we see eye eye to eye? But I could talk about ghosts. And suddenly I've broken it all down to like this least common denominator. I can talk about ghosts and I can say, look, if you are a skeptic and you cannot believe in ghosts, just appreciate the story. You know, light a campfire, toast a s'more and appreciate the story. If you are a spiritual person, you can fit this into your own worldview or whatever. And that's what I love when, when a story, when a, when, a, when a ghost experience can talk about the elephant in the room, which is death, and then also kind of help us connect to this past and with each other, that's really a beautiful thing. And that's a wonderful thing. And that gets us out of our bubbles. We can all leave going, what a weird, strange, wonderful story. And, and I can relate to it in some way. And I, and I get to keep it. That's the other thing. You get to keep it. You get to keep it and pass it on and tell it to others and let it become a part of you. I don't know. I, it, I know it sounds so altruistic and crazy and over the top, but I kind of believe that a, a good ghostly legend could save the world. I find you to be another one of these really, like uh, one of our other uh, guests we've had on a couple of times, Morgan Knudsen from up here in Edmonton, another really positive person. I mean, your enthusiasm comes through. There's nothing dark and sinister about this. Uh, You really inspire in the way that you talk the desire to go out and check out some more of this stuff for yourself and to learn and see a wider picture in the world. And I think it's really wonderful that you're doing that and that you have that particular kind of an attitude towards it. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. I've, I've had some life-changing experiences, not just paranormal. Um, two years ago, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, which was um, probably one of the most profound experiences of my life. And watching the sunrise from 18,500 feet at the rim of the volcano the air so thin, you're just fighting for every breath. And I'd, I'd been hiking all night to get to that point. You know, we started at midnight just to get there for sunrise and try to get to the summit after six days of that. That moment 
I thought about the Maasai people down in the valley. They say that that's the house of God at the top of Kilimanjaro, and only those deemed worthy can go up there. And at that moment, whether you're an atheist or not or whatever, man, I believed in God. I believed in spirits. I believed I was granted permission. I believed I was judged and deemed worthy. And I've never felt so connected to my planet and to my people as that moment right there as I was fighting for every breath, you know, overlooking the Serengeti of Africa. It's so life-changing when you can push yourself, when you can put yourself into strange situations that force you to grow, you will come out better for it. And you don't have to go to Africa to make that happen. You can make that happen in your local graveyard. You can make that happen preserving a historic building. You can make it happen on a skywatch. I'm completely convinced. That's what it is all about for me. I want to know for me because I, I, you know, and, and I'll pass along everything I learn, but I'm, I've got my own questions and I've found some answers along the way, but I still have a lot more questions and I'm hoping to find a lot more answers. Do you so, think we will ever have answers to any of this? UFOs, Bigfoot, ghosts, you name it. <laughs> so uh, ghosts, no. I think it's it's going to come down to faith and belief at some point. UFOs, I mean, I, if one lands and says, come on out, we're holding a press conference, I guess that's going to be as close to universally proven as possible. Bigfoot, if we ever really do find a true dead one or live one and are able to capture it and let people see it in a zoo, which would be horribly tragic, but um, then I guess that would sort of answer that question. My cryptozoology friends will tell you, you know, discoveries are being made. This turtle was discovered, what, last year that they thought was gone, the coelacanth, which is the example that comes up again and again. This fish thought to be ex extinct for millions of years is found in the South Pacific or something. And so, so sometimes new data does come in and we just have to be open to allowing it to adjust our worldview. Blanket statement, no, I don't think we're ever going to prove the paranormal, but I do believe that there's a lot we can learn from exploring it. Well, also um, consider the fact that what we might have regarded as paranormal 100 years ago is just part of nature and maybe as we discover things we'll discover answers maybe. but the yeah, other like thing i say is if we're being visited by et we could not recognize their technology and therefore they put on an act or we have to struggle and alter what we see to accept it yeah i i i don't know i don't know until we get there right um I, this is a question I've posed. I mean, I've, I've talked to various ufologists over the years for whatever interviews and things. If you knew, if you were in charge of the world and you knew for a fact the UFOs are here, they, the ETs here, would you tell everyone or would you not? Or would you keep it to yourself knowing that it could cause great harm to a lot of people, uh, that it would just kind of shake them up too much? And I know for me, I think I can safely say I would probably not tell people. I would probably think more of the the, the good of the, the whole and say, I don't think people are ready for it. I think I would keep it to myself. Uh, not me. I'd be like, uh, it'd be all over the internet. And like, and I would not <laughs> think of, uh, you know, I wouldn't hold out for who's going to give me the most for the video either. It'd be like, no, I want to get it out there. But before we, we wrap here, I want to give you a chance to tell our listeners uh, if you've got any upcoming uh, appearances or productions, uh, you know, tell them a little bit about your 30 odd minutes show and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. 
So 30 odd minutes actually stopped about five years ago, but it's, uh, but they're all still up there. If you want to see them on, on YouTube for free, uh, I do a weekly podcast called New England legends. They're, they're short. They're just 10 minutes. We tell a story. We've got voice actors and sound effects and music, and that's been super fun. And that's available for free wherever you get your podcasts. I do a show called New England legends on Amazon prime and PBS. Uh, If you're a prime member, it's free. And uh, as far as appearances in uh, the fall, I've uh, between now and mid November, I've got about 45 different events. So in October, it's every single night, sometimes twice a day. I'm speaking at libraries, at corporations, at uh, paranormal conferences all the time. And my website has links to all of those things. I I love this stuff. I love sharing it. And I appreciate getting the chance to share it with you guys. So thank you for listening. Let me ask you a couple of quick questions before we let you go. Let you go out there and leave the building with Elvis. We're not talking about, by the way, the ghost of Elvis. I mean, that takes us a little bit too far. Okay. We're not (laughs) going to do that. Do you have a family that has to endure your interests in the paranormal? Yes. And uh, they're awesome. Uh, My wife and daughter, we've, we've had some really cool adventures over the years. They're not highly interested in this stuff, but this is my job. This is what I've been doing full time since 2004. They've gotten to do some really cool things. You know, I remember going to the Tower of London and my wife and I got a private tour after hours and we got to drink in the, the bar with the Yeoman Warders uh, because I'd interviewed one for my book and he invited us and got to see the changing of the keys. And I've gotten to see and experience and do some really amazing things because when you talk about this stuff, you're getting below the surface. You're not some cheesy tourist. You are getting into like some really real stuff. And when you come at it with a genuine point of view, um, you, you can really connect with people and it's, it's, it's kind of magical. So not only do they tolerate it, they kind of embrace it and we all have a pretty good time. We have a pretty good time here too. If you want to see us on Twitter, go to the Paracast. We have to go on Facebook despite the concerns. We have two groups, communities or whatever on Facebook. We also have a special feature of the show where you get the best of everything. And that's called the Paracast Plus. We offer a version of this show free of the network ads. That plus the After the Paracast podcast, where we continue interviews, where we present the weekly UFO sighting update from our expert, Mr. Puckett. Okay. And he's, by the way, an atmospheric scientist, so he knows how to separate the wheat from the chaff in terms of all these sightings. William Puckett's Sighting update feature after the Paracast every week. You never know what else we're going to present. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. That will give you details on how you sign up. Plus.theparacast.com. Jeff Belanger, let's not make it 12 years before we see you again. Thanks for <laughs> joining good. us on the Paracast. Thank you. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>